I like there's this. Another, there's another song you could do from Gene. It could be called The Top of Your Head, but that's a whole other ballgame. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Happy holidays and welcome to our discussion on side two of Crazy Nights. But before we get to side two, let's take a look at our podcast mailbag and fan responses. We'd like to give a shout out to everybody over at KissFact, Hello Icons, Red Walrus, Hot in the Shade CC, Dark Horse 77, Kiss Station, Pete 2174, Wise, Jamies, Rhiannon, and Makami Kiss. PX47 writes in and says, great to hear this album discussed. The Sinatra version of Kisses My Way, it was just brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was fun to do. Sticky Fingers writes, the best Kiss-related podcast, and once again, great episode. You guys know your shit. I, I, I think that's a compliment. And have the right info and talk about the subject rather than talking about yourself. Nice job. Can't wait for the second part. And I thought this one was really cool. Strutter78 wrote, Love the episode and really enjoyed the fact that you didn't slam the record. Sure, it's not even close to one of the best Kiss records, but there are some good songs on the album. If you were around in the 80s and purchased it back then, it may take you back to the fall of 1987, which was a good time for many of us. Sometimes the feelings an album brings one is better than the fact that it rocks. I, for one, prefer Gene when he sings in his natural voice and isn't singing in character mode. I really appreciate Gene singing in his natural voice. I no longer care about the makeup or what he is supposed to portray image-wise. I think Bang Bang You is one of the worst Kiss songs ever, but Crazy Nights has an uplifting feel to it that always reminds me of what Kiss were. It's like his solo album in many ways. The real Gene isn't the God of Thunder. To me, that's his character. Good Girl Gone Bad is a good example of Gene being himself and being real. I long for the days where Gene didn't think he had to be a bat lizard slash demon 24-7. I don't love Crazy Nights, but I like it very much. It always transports me to a different time, and like Ken said, many of us were having a good time back in the 80s. And the album reflects that time, like it or not. I agree 100% Sticky Fingers. Thanks for writing. J-Bro Music writes, Number one, fantastic episode once again, guys. Although to me, Crazy Nights is a mediocre to bad album, although there are a few decent tunes on it. Thief of the Night, Hell or High Water, and Good Girl Gone Bad. Can't wait for part two. Number two, Matt Porter is fucking awesome. And I agree 100% with that. Hooray, Matt Porter, we love you. And number three, the Sinatra was amazing. Haha. Ha. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. A lot of people seem to enjoy that. Thank you so much. And from our Facebook page, which is so much fun, thank you guys for all being part of it and taking part of things. It's, it's great because we get an almost instant reaction as soon as we put the shows up. Alex Komotis writes, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the podcast is making me want to hear the album again. Back in the day, I heard the tinny guitar sound on the Friday rock show, 
and thought, that's it, the dream has died. I blamed Nevison at the time, especially as you could compare it with the Wendy O. Williams version of Thief in the Night. Ian Murray writes, What I love about the podcast is everyone can have their own opinion of a song and nobody slags you for it. I personally don't mind Bang Bang You and No No No, but I can dig it that you guys don't like it. Before podcast, I had a singular mentality that said, Are you crazy? You have to love this song. Thanks to podcast for making me a better fan. Thank you, Ian, and thank everyone who's been behind the podcast for a very long time, since 2007. Thank you all. And now, it's time to introduce our panel as we discuss Crazy Nights, Side 2. All right! And today I'm joined by Chris Sinzak. Howdy. Chris Karam. Howdy, y'all. Matt Porter. Happy to be here to add some extra crazy. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and BJ Cramp. Hello. How is everyone today? Great. Fantastic. Good to hear, good to hear. And now it's time to flip the album over. You guys ready? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> First song on side two is When Your Walls Come Down. anything to drink about in this song yeah you got a bunch you're so ooh and come here baby you can ow wow so there's at least three good <laughs> shots so and then you're gonna need them because i mean obviously this song is like a weird collection of nursery rhymes or something i mean it's like the lyrics are are kind of you know seem like uh, they got them out of a kid's book or maybe a kid you know with a really weird uh dirty book i don't know well, I'm going to read these lyrics because they need to. As be Frank read. Sinatra. No, no. I'm, I'm going to read them now, guys. Come on, this is serious. And they've got. Gun. Yeah. Easy part, father. You are serious. Serious okay. talk. Now, 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 here we go. Okay. Liar, liar. Got your pants on fire. I know you want it. You know you want it too. Hey, diddle, diddle. When the cat wants to fiddle, the kitten's got to give him the moon. <laughs> you're, you're killing me. And they say, you gotta look before you leave. And we're gonna judge you by the friends you keep. But you're looking nasty. And I'm, I I know, here's how I should have done it was in Kelsey Grammer's voice. Liar, liar, got your pants on fire. I know you want it. You oh, know God. you want it too. Hey, you sound, you sound like, uh, what's his name, Anthony Zerba more than... Uh... Oh my God, Anthony Zerba. Anyway. Yeah, you actually sounded like him when you, when you that last sentence. You you were channeling, you know, uh, the Phantom. Ah, uh, but you know, for anything Paul wants to say, or Adam Mitchell, or whoever, you know, Paul Stanley, Adam Mitchell, Bruce Kulick, anybody wants to cut Gene's lyrics down, this is uh, this is uh, evidence that there's no room to talk. You know what I'm saying, Chris Sinzak? Yeah, the more I'm starting to think about this album, the more I'm like, I used to love it as a whole, but now when I, you know, looking at it in depth, I think there's, you know, I think I like the majority of the songs, but the low points really drag it down. And this one, it's not the greatest. It's a, kind of a cookie cutter 80s rock song. And I mean, Bruce is playing on it's pretty good, but the whole uh, hear kitty kitty thing on the outro, just, it's awful. Yeah, it's, uh, what's the, 
I've got my pride, I've got my dignity. Well, you'll swallow everything with, when you're with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's Gene Simmons lyrics all the way right there. You're so come here, baby, and ah. So that's got to be drink worthy, right? Yeah, absolutely. BJ, um, I think this is a great song. I love this song. I think it's a fun song, and in my opinion, I think there's a lot of humor, a lot of intentional humor in some of these lyrics that Paul Stanley wrote. I think he was, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek. Whereas Gene Simmons, his tongue doesn't even fit in his cheek. So I think that's the difference. <laughs> I think that's the difference between the the two. I think there's a tongue in cheek element to to the lyrics. Like, I mean, I think that line. Hey diddle diddle, you know, cat got your fiddle, kitten's got to give him the moves. I think that's funny. You know, I laugh. I laugh with Paul instead of at Paul. I think. I think. Well, <laughs> well, it's on that tongue in uh, cheek, but it depends whose tongues in whose cheeks. So. <laughs> hey, oh. yeah. Could this be a case of where Paul was saying, "I can write a Gene Simmons song. Watch this." <laughs> I don't know. We just I, gave I, Paul I, a line, by the way. That'll be in a future interviewer in the book. <laughs> Face the music again. <laughs> I think they were having fun writing writing these lyrics. I hope so. And I think it's a great song. I love it. Chris Karam. The Gene Simmons uh, cliche phrasebook was used, but I think Paul swiped it from him. This this is another example of you know Gene getting crapped on for some of his 80s stuff. Well, Paul has to answer for this someday in, in of course, Face the Music Part 2. Why the hell did I write that song? It's disposable. It's crap. And if you like it out there in the podcast listening audience, I'm glad you do. And, and you know, our opinions are just our opinions. So, yep. you know, exactly. it's, no, it's, it's all fair. good. It's all relative. Except for Chris uh, Sinzak's opinion. His is the only one that matters. But Yeah, that's right. Well, and if we say a song is cheesy, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I love cheese. I love yeah. melt it on just about anything. So. Yeah, cheese is you got that right. <laughs> you know. And I get the waistline to prove it. <laughs> Me too. But anyway, but anyway, but I'm pumped. And the cholesterol report. Tell me about it. <laughs> and now a song that helps redeem the album in a lot of ways, probably to some people. Uh, there, this is a single. It went to uh, number 64 on the USA charts. Holland, number 89, and 33 in the UK. It's Reason to Live, written by Paul Stanley and Desmond Child. <laughs> take this one well the song that opened the door for me getting into kiss so i can't really say too much bad about it can i i mean it i was so i guess i was about 12 when i heard it and you know power ballads were a big deal and this was a, a very well written one and i know everybody gives it the uh foreigner ripoff joke and you know, i can see that but paul and uh, desmond child wrote some really good stuff together i like the hooky stuff that they wrote together and i think this one has a great hook has a great solo um, yeah, it's it's what got me into Kiss. I can't say anything bad about it. I love the song. BJ? Uh, it's all right. I'm not a huge fan of See, this I song. See, I would have thought you would have been all over this. Yeah. You know, the, the, the music on the verses... It's two chords. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, I, I uh, you know, the chorus is all right. I don't, I, it just doesn't really do it for me. I like when your walls come down way more than this song. I like my way more than this song too. So, that's okay. just me. Huh. Matt Porter. 
Yeah, I think this is another one on on a very upbeat album. It's one of the few where he's kind of, you know, it's not maybe so happy. I always kind of like the song because it's kind of that song for the brokenhearted. You know, he's telling you, you don't need to define yourself by your relationships. Obviously, you know, reading Paul's book, you know, he's looking for somebody all the time. I mean, he's buying Porsches. Didn't he? Was this the Porsche that he bought for the model that's in the video or whatever? I don't even know. But the... Uh, you know, I like the song because of that. I think it, it's a, it's one of those like you could picture, uh, you know, at, at some junior high dance, and you know, if you can get up the courage to go across and ask that girl to dance, Ken, and uh, that's one of my favorite stories of all time. But the, uh, you know, so for that reason, I think it's good. And yeah, at the time, the power ballad was the huge thing. Every band had their slow song, and I think you know this one fit right into that. This song is called Reason. To live.
it's a great 80s power ballad um just just a good song all around and of course you know i think i can speak for all of us when i say i was in love with that girl in the video right as yeah. femme fatale as she was as dangerous and probably bad for me as a, at, at that age i would have been like take me i'm yours you know <laughs> But yeah, great song. It's you know I, I remember seeing it live, and it was great seeing Bruce do the keyboards on it, and then switch to the guitar for the solo. You know, nice, great video. Just a really strong second single, and it should I think it should have been a, a bigger hit than it was. You guys all know who Paul Mitchell is, right? The hairstyling guy. Yeah, his wife Eloise Brody. I actually worked for a company that worked with them, and I designed a line of their pet shampoo products. <laughs> wow. So, oh. I kind of worked for this woman in a weird way. Nice. I bet you loved every minute of it too. Well, I never actually met her. Oh. I was I was in Pennsylvania. She was in California. It was always in. Here comes an email with direction, and it's like this woman was in crazy nights. Did you make sure to uh, look under your car before you left for the day? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't need to do that. Uh, the solo is just absolutely amazing. The video. I think did pretty good by Kiss. It, you know, did what it was supposed to do. It definitely had that White Snake vibe. It was uh, right. definitely a competitive song, if you will. Uh, it's just that Kiss luck. They never get the respect that they should. Yeah, I can see that this should have been a hit. I don't understand why it wasn't bigger. But there's a lot of people that when you mention Kiss, every once in a while someone will say, I really like that one song they did in the 80s, and this is that one song. That, did, that and Tears Are Falling. MTV played it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. all the time. I, I can understand why people like it a lot. It just doesn't click with me for some reason. I don't know. Well, there you go. That's because when you're driving around in your Porsche in slow motion, you know, hair blowing around, you know, you're not blowing it up, right? The other goofy thing I have to say about Reason to Live is I always thought it would make a great Snickers commercial. <laughs> and a hunger inside? Yeah, I yeah. can see that. You know, they show a guy running, they show a guy running and he busts through the thing and everyone's got a dream and a hunger inside, reach for a Snickers. Uh, oh my. But it goes like, everybody's got a reason to live. Snickers. It's oh. Just... oh. No, seriously, yeah, that's if, always if been in my head. I don't know why. I guess I if like If your Snickers. reason to live is Snickers, Snickers that's pretty you're depressing. Not... Yeah. <laughs> I think the song was supposed to be, you know, uplifting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Snickers. Anyway. Oh, BJ, they're really satisfied. There you go. They really satisfy. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Snickers. and. Everyone's got a dream and a hunger inside. Snickers. Snickers. Reach for a Snickers. Snickers satisfies. Hey, look, Bang Bang You isn't the, you know, the general message of the album is the reason to satisfy, right? So, right. you know, come on. So Gene would be... <laughs> Eating a Snickers while a girl is down on all fours. Ken, so, you got to do Gene saying Snickers you know? satisfies. Snickers satisfies. I, uh, that's, oh, that's yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Next oh, man, track, is... Good Girl Gone Bad. Well, I know she ain't the girl next door. She ain't the girl she was before. She's a good girl. 
Simmons, Seegerson, and Diggins, which sounds like the weirdest law firm I've ever heard of. <laughs> Matt Porter, take this one. Is there anything drink-worthy in it? You know what? I didn't note anything on there. I mean, obviously this song, I mean, obviously this girl has been around, but she's young and clean, kind of like other girls that Gene has sung about before. And uh, I always liked the line, steaming up the windows with the radio on. I always thought that was, uh, it takes you to maybe a certain time in your life when, uh, you know, maybe that was the most important thing was uh, being in the backseat of a car. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I like it for that reason. I think it's a good song. Uh-huh. Chris Carroll. This is a really good song. You know, well, maybe really good is a little bit of a stretch, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good song. You know, it's it's a nice song for Gene. It's it definitely kind of avoids some of the bad cliches or the worst cliches from some of his other '80s songs. But it's an it's a it's a good song. I like the backing vocals and you know again that Ron Nevis and crunchy guitar sound really kind of adds to it. A lot of women love this song. A lot of women in the Kiss fan base love this song. I think it's one of those like I'm a bad girl kind of tracks. Um, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, BJ, your thoughts on Good Girl Gone Bad? Uh, <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'm not a big fan of any of Gene's songs on this album, really. I think they're all just kind of okay, but they're, they're, they're not great in my opinion. And this is probably my favorite of his songs on the record, maybe. I don't know. It's all right. It's not horrible, but... Well, Gene's oldie callback of of this song is The Girl Can't Help It, She's Out of Control, the old uh, Little Richard song, you know. Lyrically, the song was based on something obvious out of Gene's community college period. A young lady who Gene went to college with, a girl who started out the demure virgin, all coy and unclaimed, then she met up with the tongue. The only sad thing about the tale is that when she finally did give it away, it was in the backseat of a car with someone else, a friend of Gene's in fact. So, there you go. I don't know how much we can put stock in that, but... That came off the top of Gene's head when somebody asked him what the song was about, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like there's this. Another, there's another song you could do from Gene. It could be called The Top of Your Head, but that's a whole other ballgame. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That'll be on his next solo album. <laughs> Back. If Wouldn't it have to be Backbone Slip at this point? <laughs> oh, God. Backbone Slip. Uh, uh, anyway... <laughs> I think it's a pretty cool song. It's, it's like uh, with Hell or High Water. It's Gene actually, you know, using his singing voice and yes. less shouting. I think Bruce's guitar playing is excellent on this one. This is another one where I think the produ- I think Gene's most of Gene's stuff on this album, the production works for his songs. Paul, it almost goes too over the line with the pop sound, I guess, for some people. Yeah, I think it's a really good. I like the riff to it. I, I think the song has sort of an atmosphere to it. I, I, I really enjoy this song. It kind of calls back to his vocal performance in Naked City. Huh. Yeah, I guess it kind of does. And I was listening to History and Science Theater's Unmasked show, and they were talking about the song Naked City, and they were talking about the production of it on Unmasked, and I would have loved to have heard the current lineup do Naked City. I just would love to hear how that would sound with the, the current lineup and the more monster 
type production, if you will, as opposed to the Vinnie Poncia or Poncia production. I love that song. I think that's a good song. Make it suit, yeah. Yeah, if they well, would throw something like that into the set, that would be unbelievable. I mean, because clearly half the people aren't even going to know it. But, I mean, those of us that know it, I mean, wouldn't you go crazy if they started doing that? It's like, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Twelve fat guys in black T-shirts lose their mind. <laughs> well, I'm not even the biggest fan of Naked City. I mean, it, or, uh, well, really of the Unmasked album as a whole. I'm not a huge fan of it. But just anything different. I mean, God, do we need to hear I Love It Loud again? I've always liked Naked City. That's a great song. I yeah, just I'm love Gene singing it. Gene is a very underrated singer in a lot of ways. Yeah, and when he and when he sings, like like I said before, he sings on this album as opposed to doing a demon voice or a you know a growly type thing. Oh, I remember yeah. this one guy who's always on about how great U2 is, and I love U2, and I'm not cutting them down or anything. But I remember one time uh, this this fellow listened to Naked City, and he's like, "Wow, I didn't know that guy could sing like that." You know, it reminds me of Bono because Bono would do those high parts all the time and. I'm like, yeah, well, Bono's not the only one that can do that, you know what I mean? There's mm. other guys that can do that, but uh, Gene is a very underrated singer. Absolutely, especially lately. Yeah, he's really coming through, and thank God. Okay, the next track, Turn On The Night. This is my favorite Kiss song of the non-makeup era. Really? Yeah, I love this song. Really love it. I think the the verse melody is amazing. I love it, and the, and of course the chorus is awesome. Yeah. I just think it's a really really great song. It's always been one of my favorites. Well, Matt Porter, there's a lot of drinking that can be done in this. It's got a lot of. I'm gonna Whoa. say, look, they're, yeah, they're wrapping it up. You can be good and fucked up by that point because there's some good woes and oohs, and you, if you're not, you know, following along, you should be. So, the one knock I have on the song is the line, "I want to feel this feeling get stronger." It, it's always bugged me. I don't know why. It just seemed like a, you have such a great pedigree for the song and then i want to feel this feeling get stronger i'm just glad they didn't say feel again in that sentence that's all (laughs) chris karam this is a good song and as noted before uh, i have a very sentimental attachment to this song because in january of 1988 i was in the audience at the worcester centrum worcester yes worcester worcester as they shot the video for this they did the lip sync about four times as i recall and so, you know, so I, how can I not like this song? And when I was watching the video this morning, I kept looking for myself. And to this day, you know, I, I think Paul had a thing against me and he, he told him to edit me out. So I have to live with that. But it was just kind of fun, like going back to that and remembering, oh, yeah, I was in the audience. But I don't quite remember the hot girl and the uh, lightning bolt striking the stage when I was there. <laughs> I mean, you watch that now, the CG. Oh, I, I, well, I guess it wasn't CGI back then. It was some kind of was it? Yeah, it was early. It's it's like this early version of CGI, and it's just so cheesy. But again, I can just 
go back to January 1988 and being there and just having a great time. It was my second Kiss show and you know checking out the girls in this with the uh, spandex and the big 80s hair and you know which was all part of the experience if you were going to heavy metal shows back in those days but you know so uh, nothing but great memories about this one my god paul singing on this how can you do that how can you sing like that he gets so high up there it's just it's crazy he made he made a deal with the devil no <laughs> i guess but man whew. uh I guess that you, it's, a, it's a good lesson for anyone starting a band out there. What you can do at 30-something, uh, you might not be able to do at 60. So remember that after your reunion tour and the other reunion tour and the other reunion tour and the farewell, your farewell tour, tour and the other farewell tour and then the comeback tour. So if you're going to be a rock star, you want to write for uh, the future possibly. Just some advice from us here at the podcast we don't know what we're talking about so there we go but it's it's a it's a pretty good track and like i said this singing's just off the charts amazing let's see u.s it did not chart in the uk this went to number 41 a lot of love for the crazy nights album from the folks over in the uk this song this song makes me sad in hindsight because there is, you know, and like BJ said, this is an awesome song. There is, other than the fact that they were stereotyped as Kiss, that old 70s band, uh-huh. there is no logical reason why this song was not a huge hit. I mean, it's it had everything needed to be a giant hit in 1987. And, you know, he had Diane Warren help write it. That says enough on its own. But I can almost see why it was so heartbreaking for Gene and Paul after putting in that kind of work and getting material of that quality and then having just seeing it, it just fall flat on its face. I mean, that must have been really depressing for those guys because uh-huh. it's a great song. The video is cool. And I was going to ask Chris what it was like to be on seeing a show on top of a skyscraper with helicopter flying over. Him. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a cool it's a great song. And um, I think it's definitely Paul's best song on the album for sure. I'd have to still stick with Crazy Nights or Reason to Live for me as far as Paul's best songs on the album. Let's wrap up side two with Thief in the Night.
Well, you know, Gene throws in a bunch more oohs and uhs and owls and things like that. But, I mean, I got to say, I really prefer the Wendy O. Williams version. And I, and in my mind, when I think of this song, I think of her version from the W.O.W. album. You know, and I always thought it was kind of funny that Gene put it on here, you know, having had it already done it with Wendy. And uh, But, yeah, I prefer that version. It's a good song, but I prefer that version that, that's on her album instead. According to thekissmonster.com, essentially the song would see Kiss covering their own song. During 1984, while Gene had been producing Wendy O. Williams, he had given this song, written with Mitch Weissman, to Wendy to record. By the time Crazy Nights was being recorded, this was one of two songs from that earlier era that were considered for use, with the other being It's My Life. According to Gene, the band recorded this song simply because he had always liked it and nothing more. Again, It's My Life would have been great on this album, don't you guys think? Totally. Oh, what an amazing song. It's My Life. Unbelievable They never that they didn't put that song out. I always yeah. thought that they should have, in my opinion, they should have taken I Love It Loud off of Creatures of the Night and replaced it with It's My Life and made that the single. Hmm. I mean, that's such a great song. Well, just yeah. imagine It's My Life starting off side two of this album. Yeah. It's oh, absolutely. Great. It makes no sense why they never release that song. Paul, it's yeah, a great song. Crazy. We love it. Do it upright. That'd be another one. Imagine if they throw that into the set list this summer. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. and Twelve guys in black t-shirts lose their mud. <laughs> Chris Karam, Thief in the Night. I really like this version of it. You know, I mean, obviously it's the remake of Wendy, the Wendy O. Williams song from WoW, but with this production and Gene really actually again you know really singing and really it really hits home and and I think it really ends the album on a great note I, I just love this version of the song to death excellent did I get everyone on this uh, I haven't gone okay Chris, um, Chris Sinzak I think it's uh, you know I disagree with Matt on this I think it buries the Wendy O. Williams version wow. I think it's way better and I think it, it should have been a Kiss song from the beginning but it's uh and, you know, a lot of people could talk about how poppy Crazy Nights is. There's nothing really that poppy about this song. For Kiss, it's actually kind of a hip song. And the riff, the, the main riff itself, man, crank that up and listen to it. That's a kick-ass riff. Mm-hmm. No, great song. I, I, you know, but I, I just happen to like the other one better. We'll have to disagree, then. Disagree. <laughs> See, look, we could disagree on the podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know this this song is a perfect example of Gene going green, like we discussed on an earlier episode. <laughs> you know, but in a good way, though. <laughs> this is Gene Simmons. I was green before everybody else. I've always recycled my lyrics. <laughs> green Simmons. Green. Oh, man. Bad Porter. Oh man. Huh. A lot of people say you should go green. As a matter of fact, I'll take green. Send all of your green cash to <laughs> Gene Simmons. Yeah, we know, we know Gene's green. Yeah, so there you Gene's go. probably still got his first green. I think he's got the, you know, like you go into like a barber shop or a restaurant, they have the first dollar they ever made framed. Yeah. This is not Gene Simmons of the rock group Kiss. You know, many people on this gold green kick when in fact I've been on this gold green kick forever I've always been about recycling if you have any of your money that you don't want 
I'll recycle and put it in my wallet. You know, I was green before there was a Kermit the Frog. I've been green about as long as there's been an Incredible Hulk. So, again, if you have any money yearning to be mine, please send it to me, Cav the Kiss Corporation. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the Crazy Crazy Nights video and what you're shooting here today. Kiss live in front of 7,000 screaming fans who came because the radio station said, Hey man, they're filming a video, you gotta go check them out. Bang, the tickets went like that. That's our fans. What's really great is when you realize that most bands are always going around saying, our fans are the greatest and they do this and they do that, but listen, there's no other band I know of that can go on the radio and say, listen, we're doing a video, we want you there, and lo and behold, two days later, you got a packed arena, so that's what makes our fans the best. The single comes out in August, mid-August, and the video will come out at the same time. The album, Crazy Nights, is going to come out one month later. We're going to tour in November for about a year, but the album really took... In bits and pieces, there were some false starts. We did it over a two-year period, writing, rewriting, collecting songs. There must have been, I don't know, 50, 60 songs written for this record. Eleven of them were mine. Easy. You worked with Ron Nevison on this as a producer, right? Yeah. Right. He, he's worked with people like Ozzy Osbourne and Hart. What was it like uh, working with Nevison in the studio? Ron is a great producer, and quite honestly, there's not many people we would want to work with, because quite honestly, our track record is a lot longer and a lot better than most producers. You have some guy this year who has a hot record just by a stroke of luck, and all of a sudden everybody goes to him and does another record. Ron's been around for a while and done only quality stuff, and we figured that when two hot properties get together, you're only going to make something even hotter. And I think this record is everything that we thought it could be. Rock and roll! Yeah. Hey. Kiss is going to rock and roll. On the stage sure. How did you get into this video? Heard it oh. The KISS concert. The concert? Is it a No one's ever done it like they can do it. Everybody's trying to copy them, and no one can accomplish what Kiss has accomplished. They're the best. What about the changes? Yeah, some of them, I think the original lineup was the hottest, but well, the new guys are good. They're, hey, they fill in the shoes. You have to. You got to go on. You can't go backwards, like they say. What about those clean faces now? I think they evolved, and it's, they deserve it. I mean, if you would have wore grease paint for 20 years, you know. I mean, they're going on. This is going to be their 21st record. You know, you gotta evolve. Everybody else does. Looking forward to the new album? Hey, yeah. I'll be the first in line at Tower Records to buy it, and you know it. 
We're banging the doors for that one. Love them. I love them. They're the best. The best. It's great. Thank right. you very much. Hey, you guys kick ass. Yes. I love them. They're the best. They're at. All right. Oh, who's your favorite in the group here? Paul Stanley. Paul oh, Stanley. Gene Simmons. Why is he so good? Because he's right. He's sexy. He's very sexy. And we all like him. And Not sexy. No, I like boys. <laughs> I like the way he moves. <laughs> Have you been like heavy metal fans for a long time? Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna win his guitar. Just started in Zion's I'm gonna win his guitar. Well, they're a great band. I love them. I, I haven't seen them. I've only seen them once, but it's fun coming out here and getting in a video. And you know, it's a lot of fun. You may not be actually in it, your face, but just being here, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like it. When did you hear about the video? Um, just about a couple of days ago. She went and picked up the tickets, and so I was like, something to do. <laughs> What are you doing on a Saturday night? This is Gino. <laughs> crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I have. Not with makeup, though. Just uh, recently without makeup. Gino's seen him with I've never seen him. I can't wait. I'm all excited. I want to see Paul Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite in the group? Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. People just say I look like him. Why is and I look. She looks like him. Why, 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 this why, is Paul Stanley's sister. Why does sister. everyone like this guy? What is it about him? He's, He's just sexy. He moves on the stage. He gets He's all sexy. Good. No, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's true. Well, actually, because they're loud and they're original. What more? What more can you ask for? You know? Can you look over this way? Okay. <laughs> so how long have you been a fan? I guess since I was able to walk, really. As soon as I heard that first Kiss tune, I was really on it. Went on Kiss collection, Kiss albums, everybody else. I mean, they were into something else, but I was a Kiss fan. I guess we should talk about the band live real quick. I thought this was a really fun show. From what I understand, a lot of people criticize it for not really being a long set list, but I remember it being a fun set list. Chris Sinzak, did you see the band then? No, I didn't get to see them live until Hot in the Shade. Um, oh, wow. So I've just heard what other people say about the show. I mean, yeah, a lot of people complain about it being the set being short, and they also cut a lot of the stage production to save on money because... They they really I think they really put all their eggs in one basket with this album and I, it's like I said it's eggs in one basket yeah there's another Gene song yeah. it's a it's a depressing thing to see that they put so much into this album and it not come to fruition like they hoped no I, the only thing I know of the band live is and if you haven't seen it it's entertaining is the roadie VHS bootleg tape of the roadies on the tour it's a, some pretty fun stuff you also see Gene getting arrested at a show mm. yeah. <laughs> I remember the tour book being just huge, insanely yes. huge. It was like this is its own. It. Uh, this is its own billboard. You could just, you know, flip the page every day and have a new Kiss poster on your wall. It's crazy huge. It's a monster tour book. Yeah. 
Yeah, except that it only cost like twenty bucks back then, which is you know, I think it was twenty. I think it was I around twenty bucks. I don't even think it was twenty bucks back then. I think it was more like twelve or something like that. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe I'm just. Yeah. I was going through a drawer the other day and I found my Dynasty uh, ticket stubs and it was like eleven dollars. Wow. And I even adjusted, even adjusted for inflation, was, eleven bucks would not be what you pay for a Kiss show today. And and I remember the tour book was ten. <laughs> wow! I Imagine if that was true today. Yeah. You'd only be paying what, like thirty bucks to go to a Kiss show? Yeah. yeah. But I don't. I mean, uh, but, I don't know how much they charge for tour books anymore because I. They, I don't really buy those, but yeah. But just imagine if it kept going. Like for example, I saw some uh, where somebody was paying. $179 for one seat, so would you pay $179 for one tour book? I guess that's one way to get rid of those monster books, a little, you know, spread them out. <laughs> yeah, if you go to see Kiss, they'll throw in a monster tour book for, you know, if you throw in an extra 100 bucks or something. Oh, wow. You could actually use it as a seat. It comes with four extra <laughs> things you can prop the seat up with. So, it was a, it was a fun tour, fun album. I think that this album gets a lot of crap for trying to be like Bon Jovi, and I don't think they were trying to be like Bon Jovi all that much. Do you guys? Not so much. I think they were well, Im- image-wise. I think they were. Bon Jovi found found their big success in this this same year, and how did they get there? They worked with Desmond Child. Exactly. Well, gee, where'd they get that idea? Hmm. You know, right? Paul's who, Paul's who brought Desmond to Bon Jovi. If anything, they wanted to be White Snake, right? I think they were taking a little bit of everything. I mean, it's they were clearly following and not leading. I mean, right. it's mostly image-wise, though, because like I said, I don't I don't hear Bon Jovi doing Thief in the Night and stuff no. like that. But um, yeah, I think image-wise and video-wise and the whole look, yeah, they were trying to copy for sure. I've always found that that's a disingenuous line of logic when it comes to Kiss. That at this point they were followers, not the leaders. Kiss were always followers. You can't tell me that they came up with makeup. You can't. No, tell I'm not me. saying that. Yeah. But they followed to more of a point in the '80s than they did before. I disagree. Once again, if you take a look, that you have four guys desperately trying to make it. They do four Alice Coopers. They play music like their heroes. It's the same kind of thing. The only difference is, is it's kind of like when it comes back to like we were talking about Bruce Kulick all of a sudden finding his balls or whatever it's because it's the direction you like if you like the direction that kiss is copying from then it's a good thing because in a way weren't they trying to follow a trend again on uh carnival souls and revenge and unmasked and dynasty and i mean you can just well, everything has its influences. I mean, know. everything copies from something else. Right. I mean, there's not that much that's really <clears throat> truly original. Correct. So I mean, like Alice Cooper was ripping off uh, the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So you can't even say Alice was the original either. But I don't know. But Kiss was definitely more unique in the '70s with the sh- the stage show, the makeup, and the costumes. Uh-huh. But in the '80s, I mean, it's like if, I mean, if you believe what C.K. Lent put in his book. Paul, Paul was going to meetings and saying, you know, who directed that Bon Jovi video? Who's Bon Jovi's wardrobe consultant? Uh-huh. They wanted, they were, they were purposely trying to follow trends. They had to though; they were broke. Right. 
Well, you know, it's funny if you look at the set list. I mean, they were clearly not resting on the makeup era. I mean, they're leading off a lot of these shows with Love Gun and Cold Gin. But the most of the set is really a lot of that stuff from the 80s. I mean, you're going Love Gun, Cold Gin, Bang Bang You, Fits Like a Glove, No, 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 Crazy Nights, War Machine, Reason to Live, you know, Heaven's on Fire. You know, it's really tilted very heavy toward what they were doing new at the time. I saw that in... uh, in December at the Spectrum, which is actually the one that's on the Kissology, and uh, Ted Nugent was opening up, and uh, that was pretty wild too. Yeah, it was a great tour. I, you know, just from, like I said, just from being there at uh, in Worcester, you know, great show. And like, and I know I mentioned this before, and I'm not sure if it was on podcast or KST, but there was one point in the show where Paul did this rant because Worcester back then had these fire laws that prohibited any pyrotechnics or fire breathing or anything like that. So Paul goes into this big rant like, I don't know why we can't set off our fireworks when we come to Worcester. And then, like, I almost expected, like, that they were going to shoot off something, but they didn't. So it was kind of anticlimactic. But Paul, I, like, had to, you know, rile up the fans, I guess. And funnily enough, later that year, they repealed the fire laws or something because I went to a Van Halen show where all of a sudden stuff was going off all over the place. Oh. But that's, a, that's kind of a funny memory, though, Paul's rant, you know, his no fireworks rant. And I just did the Paul Stanley impression, didn't I? <laughs> I thought it was Mickey Mouse was rapping for kids. <laughs> Hi, was, kids! Right. Listen here, you little bastards. Clean up your stuff. For some reason, Michael Jackson was on stage with kids that night. You know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to do Mickey Mouse's voice and have him swear inappropriately. I love it. You know, it's like, yeah. oh yeah. You'll listen here, that. you little fuckers. <laughs> you know, you put the little, you just throw that little, <laughs> in there every so often you could say anything <laughs> I'm a cult leader I'm going to skin the flesh off your body <laughs> have Mickey Mouse talking to Gene Simmons well when Kiss Hi, gets Gene. bought by Disney <laughs> Gene I loved it when you recorded our song When You Wish Upon a Star why thank you very much Mickey <laughs> there you go <laughs> you're a powerful and attractive mouse <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, the Crazy Crazy Nights single and the song, how did it come about? Well, basically, Crazy Crazy Nights is just an extension of what we've been doing all along, which is preaching. Yes, folks, we preach, but what we're preaching is having a good time. And since everybody has to work during the day or go to school, nights are a good excuse to do what you want, and then you can blame it on the night in the morning. If you hate yourself in the morning, sleep late. Are there any other uh, specific songs off the album that you guys... Uh feel real good about uh, possible follow-up single there's 11 songs on the album that we feel really good about and we'll play as many of them live as we have to play you know it's always a matter of what the public wants and if everybody's having a good time with the record hey we'll play them all we'll play them all we'll do whatever everybody wants we're here for the people you know what we're like we're like burger king we give it to you your way Crazy Nights peaked at number 18 on the U.S. Billboard 200 charts, making it the highest charting Kiss album of the 1980s. The most successful single was Crazy Crazy Nights, charting in five countries, and the least successful was Turn On The Night, charting in the U.K. where it reached number 41. The highest charting single was Crazy Crazy Nights, which reached number 4 in the U.K. Reason to Live reached number 64 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 34 on the mainstream rock tracks, and it went all the way to number 33 in the UK. The song also managed to chart in the Netherlands, reaching a poor number 89. So Kiss found life 
outside of the U.S. once again. The band actually performed on top of the Pops. Playing live in Los Angeles in our studio there. It's Kiss and Crazy Crazy Nights. Brand new album out, Crazy Nights. 
and I caught up with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley recently and asked them, it's your brand new album, what's it all about, boys? Well, if you buy the album, you'll find a hole in the middle of it. And uh, it's actually, it's 11 songs. And we spent a good bit of time doing it. And uh, it's great. I mean, I, I can't lie. Folks, it's great. It's, it's in the tradition of everything we've done that's real good. I think we kind of liken it to a, a cross between maybe Animalize, which was the album before last, and Destroyer, which was a pretty good album from what everybody tells us. One of your classics. Yeah, it? so it's quite good. I mean, we spent quite a bit of time writing it, and uh, I think everybody's going to like it. I mean, we're pleased. Gene, I noticed that Ron Neverson produced the album for you. Now, he seems to be everybody's favorite producer at the moment after his success with Ozzy and Hart last year. What attracted you to him? Actually, uh, Ron wears very tight pants, and that was one of the more important reasons that we got involved with him. No, that's not so at all. Ron had actually been known to us for a while for his work with uh, the earlier English groups, Bad Company and you Led Zeppelin and so on. Right. <clears throat> and that was really much more the appealing factor instead of his recent success with some of the more recent groups. That's not as important. But we'd been producing our own albums for quite some time, and we thought, Maybe it was time to have somebody else to have a sounding board off of. And Ron seemed like a very good choice. In fact, he really came through, did, did a terrific job. Now, I noticed a lot of the material on the new album seems to be written in conjunction with people outside of the band. You, Paul, will go away and write right. with someone <coughs> else, and so will Eugene. Don't you guys but ever write within, together? Also within the band, though. The band also co-writes material with each other. Bruce Kulik and Eric Carr, our guitar player and drummer, lead guitar player and drummer, also co-wrote the material back and forth. So some were outside writers, and some of the material was within the band. But what about you two? Don't you two ever no, write together? No. I think, I think what happened at some point is that we pretty much established styles that were complementary within the band's framework, but at the same time, I think it was essential that they stayed separate. Um, in the beginning, there was a, a more similarity in, in our writing style, so maybe they complemented each other when we wrote together. Um, I think at this point, they've both developed in a way that balanced each other, and it, I think it's kind of important to the balance of the band that, that we keep a certain integrity in our own writing. I don't think that either one of us, quite honestly, wants to compromise for the other. You know, when you, when you have certain ideas of what you want to do, you don't want to give in to somebody else, especially him, I don't want to give in. Certainly not. I wouldn't want to give in to me either. Do you, do you have a fight about material? Oh, sure, all the time. Rayon, Dacron, Nylon. All the time. No, we, I think part of a healthy relationship, anybody that tells you they don't have tiffs, which is a word I never use, but you understand what that means, uh, is really just playing nice politics. We, we fight all the time. You know, this material is better than that material. Let's pick this instead of that. But sooner or later, the cream rises to the top. And always the, the main the main motivation for us is always to make the best possible record and oftentimes you have to put push ego aside i mean ego is a great motivation but you know you have to push it aside and <laughs> often the best songs oh, are, <laughs> no. whoever writes them they have to they have to be used and uh, it doesn't matter that more more of the songs on this record are pause they're just better songs
Well, as we get ready to leave this episode, we want to thank you for listening again, and thank you for making another great year for the podcast. We're celebrating eight years coming up. And gang, tell everybody where they can find you on the net and tell us about your shows. Uh, you can check us out at decibelgeek.com. We put a show out every week, usually lots of KISS stuff, and uh, yeah, lots of interviews, year in reviews, all that good stuff. BJ Cramp. Rock and or roll podcast.blogspot.com. And Chris Karam, when you <laughs> wish upon a star. Anyway. We well, know right. before we wrap it up, yeah. I want to say if anybody played along with the drinking game, post pictures, and we want to see him. They're not going to work for that. And, and don't name it after <laughs> us. Mr. Matt Porter, of course. Obviously, you can go to thekissroom.com. If you're a podcast listener, you are probably already aware of the Kiss Room, so I'll leave it at that. Once again, we want to thank you for listening. Spread the word. Tell people about the podcast. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever you celebrate, celebrate it well. Do it like Kiss would. Merry Christmas. And remember, if life is a radio, turn it up to 10. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. See you in 2015 as we celebrate eight years of podcasting. for someone but it's not kiss you know my, my my final point on this is okay if you're gonna do something can't stop yet have fun with it suck a dick pay your taxes i don't really care i don't really care what you do i don't care i really don't because you know i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass no trouble i'm all about that bass about that bass 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 you know, I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I've been about the bass for a very long time. Now, here are the remarkable members of KISS. And first of all, Mr. Uh, Gene Simmons, who is the bass player, <laughs> who is the bass player. Then Ace Freely, who is the lead guitarist. I'm not, I'm the trap player. <laughs> <laughs>
because uh, Gene came in and he said, I didn't know I played bass. And I said, well, I see Ackroyd on Saturday Night Live with the, with the bass fish, and then you say the trout player. I have to excuse it. Bass, bass. Yeah, bass. Bass, bass. Never a bass player. Never a bass player. I'm actually the bass player. Oh, yeah. That's right, baby. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. Uh, yeah, talk for just a moment about about your fans. Obviously, with, with the kind of career you guys have had, you've had a lot of fans, and you're always getting new ones. The kids I talk to in the line. That's interesting. It is. It, that's true. Some of them have been fans for years, and a lot of them said from the moment they grew up, they've been Kiss fans ever since. Talk a little bit about the fans. Some of the fans uh, for Kiss, for Kiss, for some of the fans, Kiss's makeup that ideal that that premise for some fans in fact a lot of new fans the makeup doesn't apply at all they're new fans they came on board after the makeup and that's valid you know we you you have to live for today and tomorrow not for yesterday that's part of our history and we're proud of it but for those fans who want a reunion tour and we keep reading about this stuff and for those fans who want us to go backwards we've done that the future is much more exciting. Tomorrow is more exciting than yesterday. You already knew what happened yesterday. Check out these ads for the following shows. We're proud to call these guys the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. Kiss! It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. This is a really big moment. I am Cassius Morris, host of KISS podcast, Creatures of the Net. Our show content includes current events of the hottest band in the land, exclusive interviews, and the trials and tribulations of being a KISS fan. You can check out our show at www.creaturesofthenet.com and on Facebook or Twitter. And if you don't know the website name by now, well, you better f- it. we'll see you here. History Science Theater, the most civilized? Yeah. Oh, f- Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like, like a, a, with like a washed up bass. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No, wait. Excuse me, Bob. You're going to come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss Podcast on the web. History Science Theory. We bust balls because we care. Doctors define modern rock disorder as a sudden, intense drop in musical taste affecting all facets of the victim's lives and the lives of those around them. Over 20 million Americans suffer. Do you? 
Is your newfound love of Axe Body Spray, leather wristbands, and mountains of hair care products driving those close to you crazy? Has your overwhelming desire to crank Nickelback, drink a sixer of Natty Ice, and yell at girls from the back of a pickup truck seriously impaired your work or social life? The Decibel Geek Podcast offers new hope. The Decibel Geek Podcast, the only podcast proven effective for MRD. The Decibel Geek Podcast corrects the chemical imbalance created by listening to bands like Theory of a Dead Man and Three Doors Down, so that with time and your hosts, Chris and Aaron's help, you can move toward recovery. MRD hurts. The Decibel Geek Podcast can help. Visit www.decibelgeek.com to begin the road to recovery. It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Their mommy's all right. Their daddies are all right. They just seem a little weird. They even got their Kiss records out. This is Ken from the Podkiss. Join me, Matt, Andrew, and BJ as we talk about four great guys and three great chords. Cheap Trick. If you're a Kiss fan, chances are you've checked them out. So please check out our show, Cheap Talk with Trick Chat, available for now in the Podkiss feed. Keep cheap tricking. What did you think about the ride? Get this. 
I just did all, when I was filmed at the county fair. Number two, Matt Porter is fucking awesome. And I agree 100% with that. Hooray, Matt Porter, we love you. It's great. I mean, I, I can't lie. Folks, it's great. It's, it's in the tradition of everything we've done that's real good. I think we kind of liken it to a, a cross between maybe Animalize, which was the album before last, and Destroyer. Oh! 